0: Hello and welcome to another episode of News Explained, this is your host Gitanjali Debakar More than 300 verified mobile phone numbers, including those of two serving ministers, over 40 journalists, three opposition leaders and one sitting judge have been targeted for hacking through an Israeli spyware. The spyware also tapped into accounts of international media houses such as The Guardian and The Washington Post. But the organization that developed the spyware said that it does not operate the Pegasus system, but only licenses it to closely vetted government users for the sole purpose of preventing or investigating serious crimes including terrorism. How can one play it safe henceforth? Business Line's political editor, Purnima Joshi, gives us more details. Thank you, Purnima, for joining us on News Explained today. The whole world is talking about the Pegasus snoop gate So to speak, would you be able to tell us more about what the whole story is?
1: Actually, Pegasus project is essentially a forensic examination of leaked database of thousands of telephone numbers, which were essentially listed by government clients of an Israeli firm called NSO. Now, NSO is known mostly for the surveillance software which they have developed, and the software is called Pegasus. Now, this database was leaked. It was forensically examined by Amnesty International Security Lab. Then a non-profit organization called Forbidden Stories shared it with a consortium of 17 media outlets across the world. And they looked at these numbers carefully, and they looked at the leaked data, and they realized that the numbers belong largely to dissenters, activists, dissidents, and journalists. So in India, for instance, there are, of course, journalists, and some of whom have been my colleagues, my friends. There is Ritika Chopra of Indian Express, very good journalist who covers election commission and education. There is Prashant Jha, who's edit page in charge of the Hindustan Times. There is also, of course, The Wire. Their journalists have been targeted and Wire is known for its very staunchly anti-government stand. Siddharth Dharajan, the editor, NK Venu. Another friend, they have been targeted. So it's not shocking, I would say, because governments have known to spy on journalists before. But why this is important is that this is, for the first time perhaps, a cyber attack of this kind has been done on such a large sort of, you know, it's, it's in the history of modern spying. We are seeing the faces of victims of targeted cyber surveillance. And it's a worldwide scandal. It's a global web where the scope is without precedent. And one thing you must know about this company, which is selling this spyware, it is very clear that it sells spyware only to wetted government bodies. Now, 51% of NSO's clients are intelligence agencies, government intelligence agencies. 38% are law enforcement agencies and 11% are military so this is by large the Pegasus, Snoopgate or scandal or whatever you may like to call it.
0: But it is rather scary, don't you think? Especially for journalists to have their phones tapped. So what
1: happens to the whole world of credible exchange of information? It's really scandalous because the attack is invisible. And once your phone is infected, it's a spy inside your pocket. So because it instantly sort of delivers your private conversations, your personal photographs, your location, really everything about you. And the surveillance has been dramatic and in some cases even life-threatening. This Adnan Kashoggi, who was murdered, the journalist. So the consequences for ordinary men and women whose numbers appear in the league because of their work, which is either journalistic in nature, which is the case of some of these journalists that I've named, in India particularly, and an activist like Omar Khaled, who's been rotting in jail and in his case, which is being booked under UAPA, some of the most stringent laws. He's a student activist and the government has presented data which they're not disclosing where they've obtained from. Whether the courts have to examine now in the light of this expose, whether that data is admissible and evidence is admissible in court at all. So it's scandalous, it's scary, and it's invasion of privacy at an unprecedented scale.
0: The company clearly said, as I think you also mentioned it earlier, that they are not operating the Pegasus system, but they're only licensing it to closely vetted government users for the sole purpose of preventing or investigating
1: serious crimes, including terrorism. Well, the company might say anything and the governments and the intelligence agencies might say anything. But as we have seen recently, in fact, the court threw out a charge sheet filed by the police and pass structures against them in the Delhi riots case, where the courts are constantly raising questions about the kind of evidence that the police are submitting, especially in these very strident and stringent preventive law cases slapped against so-called terrorists. The evidence is, despite all of this surveillance, their cases are still very flimsy, they don't stand in court. So you may claim to be a motive of anything, And this is an area that the government has kept for itself in the previous Information Technology Act or Telegraph Act. Even now, if you look at the government's explanation where the victims of the attack are openly saying that we have been targeted by the government, and if you look at the spyware's explanation about selling it only to the intelligence agencies, then the needle of suspicion is towards the government. They are citing chapter and verse from the IT Act as well as the Telegraph Act. And even the newly brought in the data protection bill that is being examined, by the Standing Committee of Parliament. In all of these legislations and statutory provisions, the government has kept an area for surveillance open for itself under various statutory provisions in the IT law as well as the Indian Telegraph Act. The government's contention in response to this expose has been that we only do surveillance authorized by the law and we only do surveillance authorized by the competent authority which is what the law is but as we've seen in the case of earlier the primitively sort of tapping incidents which came out in the form of radia tapes if you remember what were these surveillance systems about why were the governments listening into conversations between Neera Radia and Ratan Tata for instance discussing what to wear for the evening party and so on this is not anti-terrorism surveillance or anything so given a leeway the government will extend the boundary of anti-terrorist activity and so on to just about anybody who doesn't agree with them. And this is not true only of this government. Previous governments have also done it as we've seen it in the case of Nidia Radia. So this is very serious. The law allows surveillance. And even in the new act, the government has kept that area sort of loose for itself. And with the new technology, particularly like we are seeing in the case of Pegasus, also in the various privacy cases that are being fought, by social media giants in the courts. What we are seeing is that the technology has made it very easy to spy on citizens. And there is a power asymmetry between users of technology and those who are selling technology, who are purveyors of technology and governments. So I think citizens have to be protected against this. And we need to see more changes in the law. We need to see the data protection bill being passed by parliament as soon as possible. I would urge them to... Please pass the data protection bill. Please urge uh, existing laws to be suitably amended so that citizens' privacy is protected, especially in, in the current environment of very invasive technology. And you can imagine what happens to young adults, to children who also have access to technology. And everybody has a smartphone smart penetration in India as high as almost
0: 90%. Coming back to Pegasus, this was basically developed by an Israeli spyware firm. Now, Do you think this sort of a move could actually hamper the relations
1: between India and Israel? Not really. This shows a close collaboration, isn't it? Israel is a pioneer in surveillance technology, as we've seen earlier also. Their geographical location, their whole subculture in Israel is geared towards this. And this shows transfer of technology quite smoothly. So I don't think it interferes with our relations. In fact, it shows us how close we are working now.
0: So the one question that some might ask is, how much of this could be a technical error or a glitch and how much of it could be that intentional?
1: Is, that is impossible, Gitanjali. I mean, we are not talking about one or two numbers. We are talking about thousands of telephone numbers across the globe. And this is just one part of the leaked database. There may be more. So what it means is that these Piwares are being bought by governments and intelligence agencies and are being employed to spy on citizens and that is a process that is now being facilitated even more smoothly by easy access to technology in which as i pointed out to you earlier there is power asymmetry you know the users of technology have much less power to control what information is gleaned out of them by corporations and governments now if you look at the case that is going on between between the social media giants and the government whatsapp in india has instituted a new privacy policy which said earlier we are graduating to a new privacy policy wherein we'll share your personal data with other companies and facebook the parent company will access that data and will share it. it means they will sell it to private firms So they're mining this data for business purposes. And if you don't agree to that, you can get out of WhatsApp. So the government steps into this arena and says, you can't do this because you don't have this kind of privacy policy anywhere in the world, neither in US or UK or anywhere in Europe, because they have very strict data protection bills. And you can't do this to our government. Government steps into it through a public interest litigation that is going on in the high court. Now, behind the scenes, there is a lot of sharing of data by these social media giants with the government. So the corporations are mining personal data for capital gains. The governments are mining it for political purposes. And in this, the users, the consumers have very little power. And WhatsApp in its latest submission to the high court is saying we have stopped updating our privacy policy and we are not saying that users need to get out if they don't agree to this policy till such time as the data protection bill comes, which is a very convenient argument for them to take because already 90% of their clients have graduated to the new privacy policy because consumers actually are not aware enough. They're not literate enough in India. If you look at the internet penetration and the penetration of smartphones and you Compare it with our literacy rates. People don't know what they're signing on for. All these updation sort of notifications keep coming and people keep pressing OK, OK, because they want to access the technology. So they don't know whether their data are being shared for private gains or for political gains. And in that, the citizen needs to be protected.
0: So will this now impact press freedom?
1: Well, obviously, we are already in a situation where our sources don't talk to us on the phone. I mean, we've graduated from normal phones to WhatsApp and then to Telegram or whatever. But now the ease with which you would chat with your sources in various organizations, including political parties and government, that's just completely stopped. And I mean, as it is, COVID is making it difficult for us to meet people. And so you can't meet people, you can't talk to them on the phone, which is really bad for journalists. And the purpose of gaining information is to keep tab on the government and policy and the policy direction, no? which is harmful for democracy if it is hampered in such a large scale. And if people are scared of using their smartphones for having conversations, how do you get information?
0: So what do you think? one has to do to ensure that this sort of an incident doesn't happen again, both from the government side and let's say well, the civil I mean, society side? You know,
1: as I said, the government is already sort of through legislations and through legitimization and normalization of this process of surveillance is already kept itself free of spying on people in the name of fighting terrorism or uh, enemies of the state, etc. Now, while that may be a reason... But that doesn't give you a license to snoop on just about anybody and everybody, which is why I'm saying parliament has just opened today. And we need to have laws which are more contemporary in nature, that keep the contemporary reality, especially in the upgradation and modernization of technology in mind, and give us more protection as opposed to these rudimentary laws that are in existence that give the government a free hand to spy on citizens. Thank you, Purnima, for joining us today. And we're
0: definitely in the hope of the fact that the government may take necessary steps to ensure that at least press freedom is still intact. And we don't have any more cases of having phones tapped or feeling insecure using technology to communicate. Well, thank you once again for joining us on News Explained.
1: Thank you,
0: thank you. Stay tuned for more podcasts. You may follow us on our Spotify channel Business Line podcast and our website www.thehindubusinessline.com.